Hi friends, welcome to the Bible Project Daily Podcast. Welcome back to this final short episode in our short bonus season on a guide to preaching. This is a series of messages that were recorded live, a series of video talks I gave a few years ago to help train some young pastors and evangelists. I'm putting them on as a bonus episode just to give me some time, 12 days in which to prepare and map out our journey through the Gospel of Luke. The next season in our major podcast series working through the entire Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Please be aware that these bonus episodes were recorded live and on video, therefore the sound quality isn't to the normal standard. This is the last in our series of 12 and we're talking in this one, closing it up really by talking about sermons that appeal to the senses, the art of delivery, and then really just rounding it up with an encouragement to all of us, to anyone to go and preach the word. I hope the series has effectively helped you understand the various techniques of how to utilize them, but never forgetting your personality and trusting in the truth of the word and God himself to impact our lives through it. So that said, I hope you find it helpful and we'll launch off into our final episode in this series together. Bye-bye for now. delivering it is another. Preparing a sermon is like the nine months development of a fetus in the womb and preaching a sermon is a bit like giving birth to that. The danger is a sermon ineptly delivered can arrive stillborn. The delivery of the message is important because it can either be appealing, making people want to listen, or it can actually repel people. It can cause them not to want to listen. In fact, a poorly delivered message jeopardizes its effectiveness. So what can we do in the delivery of our messages to make sure they appeal? Well, first of all, we need to take account of some very practical things like the setting. The setting for the delivery of a message is a factor in the effectiveness of how what we say might be received. Technical things like the sound, it's imperative that everyone there can hear what you're about to say. Now, a small crowd will not require an amplification system, but a functional PA system is essential if you're speaking to a larger audience. We have to make sure that everyone can hear us. We also have to make sure that we can be seen. People in the congregation or the audience need to be able to see your face. Best way you can ensure that is ensure that the podium or the pulpit is as close as possible to the people you're talking to. And if it's a portable one, then I would say move it if necessary. Also, as a speaker, you need to be aware of the non-verbal communication aspect of what you're doing. A speaker communicates before he opens his mouth and utters his first word. Some aspects of non-verbal communication were discussed in the chapter on introductions. And also very practical things, like I've said, is that speakers should be appropriately addressed, that you should approach the podium confidently, but that's only the beginning. The scripture recognizes itself recognizes the power of non-verbal communication and for us it is about the way we live our lives communicates greatly the authenticity of the message that we carry 
Proverbs 6 verses 12 and 13 says, A worthless person, a wicked man, walks with a perverse mouth. He winks with his eyes, he shuffles his feet, and he points his finger. So remember, we also use our whole bodies to communicate good or ill. Our face, our fingers, our feet, they are all used in communication. Now, there's a very famous psychologist from the 1960s called Mahabrian, and he was the first to claim that only 7% of the impact of a speaker's message comes through his word. According to him, 38 came through how the voice was used and 55% from the facial expressions. Now, I'm not sure how accurate that is. I don't know, but I can say this much. It is not just our words that communicate. It's our tone of voice, our gestures, our body language, but most importantly, it's the life that we live that it testifies to the words that we're saying. But we do need to take account of the fact that God designed the human body to move. If a congregation wants to look at a statue, they can always go to a museum, can't they? It's interesting that in most realms of professional use, people use their whole body. The conductor of a symphony, a pianist, even a sports person, a footballer, an actor, a golfer, all these people put their bodies into what they do. And an accomplished speaker should also use their bodies. Now, don't just be a talking head. Gesture, particularly when you're public speaking in front of real world, real life people, gesture. And if the larger the venue, then it's okay to make the gestures large and deliberate to communicate that. Put your body into the gesture. A half heart gesture can, in fact, distract rather than enhance the point. Any body movement that there is should enhance the message. Nervously pacing back and forth or standing with your hands in your pocket does not inspire confidence. But a moving messenger, moving in the right way, can capture the attention of the audience. Shakespeare's famous instructions to his actors were, move as much as you like, just make sure you suit the action to the word. As someone who struggles with this side of, of preaching, one way I find to communicate with the whole body is, is simply just to stand in different positions on the platform. A particularly useful way of making three points is to move a few paces between each point. I've read something that says the fact that people move from left to, to right. So from the audience point of view, you should stand to the left of centre when you make your first point, move to the middle in the second point and move to the right in the third point. But those are the big things. But the little things of how we use our body are probably the most important. Things like make eye contact. Don't gaze continually over the congregation's head. Or don't spend your whole time with your nose buried in your notes. Or don't gaze wistfully out over the horizons. Try and look individual people in the congregation in the eyes. I personally like to look regularly at someone who appears to be reacting positively or particularly attentively to my message. What it does is it has a sort of virtuous feedback loop for me because it increases my confidence and uh, it tends to then cause more of a reaction in the person who's listening. And it's also worth mentioning, by the way, that people generally mistrust people who avoid eye contact. So that's the non-verbal communication. What about the actual verbal communication itself? We need to be aware that as speakers, we need to 
have variety in both pitch and rate, including the use of pauses and hiring and lowering our voices. We see this happening in the Bible. God varies the tone and pitch of his voice when he speaks to us. We're told in 1 Kings 19.12, he spoke in a still small voice. We see him raise his voice in Acts 2.14. You see, emphasis comes through the variety in the way our voice sounds. Dropping the voice occasionally to a near whisper can cause people to really focus on what you're saying and gives a sort of emphasis, often more of an emphasis than a loud shout. A ministerial, classic monotone just tends these days to put people to sleep. So be prepared to change the pitch of your voice. Also be prepared and happy to change the rate of speech. A time speak faster, periodically slow down. Slowing down can dramatically emphasise what's being said. By the way, research suggests that most speakers need to speed up. James McLachlan, a professor at a New York university, he claims that the faster talkers are generally more persuasive and more favourably regarded by their audience as having authority about what they're speaking about. He says slow talkers speak at about 120 words per minute and fast talkers speak at about 180 words per minute, faster than that, and it can just appear garbled. That's interesting, isn't it? But pauses, pauses are really useful punctuation marks of speech. They serve as commas, periods of reflection, or they can be used to make exclamation points. They are little micro-thoughtful silences as we go on to say what we say. A pause before a climax of a story of a point can be very effectively used to increase the suspense and hold attention. And a dramatic pause can introduce a point where a speaker feels emotion arising and he wants to communicate that emotion effectively through the words. But be careful because pauses not motivated by natural dramatic breaks or changes of thought or feelings can appear false and they can actually even confuse a listener. So in summary, effective messages are delivered by a speaker who communicates not just with well-chosen words but with his whole body and his whole use of his voice. And it's just common sense to, to say it's best that it's done in a comfortable setting where everyone can actually easily hear and see the speaker, the preacher, who is talking. So let's draw this whole series of talks together. Let me just conclude by saying the Bible does tell us indeed to go preach the word. And to do that effectively, we have to decide on a statement of biblical truth that we want to put across, and then shape that into a message that will land in the hearts and minds of the people before us, and then summarise that statement so that it fits with the people listening. Once you're in a position to do that, then you need to begin the process of preparing a message that at least has a beginning, a middle and an end. One-liners may be appropriate for sound bites and TikTok, but for a message delivered in reality before a live audience in a room for it to be effective, it needs to be well prepared and have a structure, a beginning, a middle and an end. To prepare the biblical message, I have just put it down into 10 steps here, which I think 
you might find helpful. One, discover the biblical summary statement, the thing that you're trying to say, the big idea, but make sure that that big idea is biblical. Then, think about the audience. Diagnose the audience and who they are to make sure that the message that you're delivering to that group of people can be effective. And then decide on the main message And it's really beneficial, I believe, to create a summary statement because if you cannot express the main point that you're going to make in one short sentence or paragraph, then you're not really ready to create the message itself in a way that can be clear. Then determine the way you want to develop that message and I would recommend creating an outline of it. That is the way you can create a message that people can follow. Then draw together some support material, messages that will grab people's attention. Find out ways that you can bring in stories, insights, illustrations to support the main point that you're making. Then develop the introduction. Think about how the message and which of the techniques we've discussed you can use to grab people's ears. And then think about your conclusion. The whole purpose of the conclusion is to apply that message in a way that having grabbed people by the ears, you then begin to move their feet into action. And remember in that process always, and usually for me, the end of the process is decide on a title. Decide on something that will attract people, grab their attention, and then hopefully the main message will hold them. And my other recommendations would be draft a manuscript. Keep a written version of everything that you write and deliver. And then finally, deliver the message and make sure that message packs a punch. Make sure that message is appealing. Make sure that message answers some questions that people have had. And finally, that that message moves people to action. But the important thing to say is you can learn all the methods of effective preparation And you can follow all the sound advice you can get from all over the places. But whatever you're using, make sure that you adapt it to yourself. But to be really good at preaching, then you yourself have to pay attention to your own life. Because preaching, at its best, is truth poured through personality. So the most important thing in all of this is to trust in God and make sure God's truth comes through your personality. Some have said the best way is to study all the techniques, learn them, and then forget them. Work and develop your speaking skills, yes, and I hope that this, these sessions have helped you done that in any way. But don't trust in those techniques to get the job done. Trust in the Lord. Trust in His Word. Trust in the power of His Word, His truths to change the lives of the people you're speaking to. It is important that you learn all you can, as much as you can, about becoming a good public speaker. But it's more important that you learn yourself the truth of God's and apply those truths of God's in your life and thereby put you in a position where you can let that truth of God burn out of your soul and you can open your mouth and you can express it and it can run freely into the hearts and minds of those people sitting for you on the day you're called to preach. So to summarise, effective, expository preaching is the teaching or the communication of a biblical concept derived from a contextual study of a passage and proclaimed with support material in a way 
that is applicable in the lives of the people today in the society in which they live today. But don't aim to do this because you think that this will make you successful. Frankly, if you're doing it the way I'm suggesting, it's going to be a lot of hard work. But do it because it's right. Do it because it's right to preach the whole counsel of God. And if you're called to do that, you should do that to the best of your God-given ability. Okay, I hope you find that helpful. I'll just say bye for now. Okay, that's it for today. Thank you so much. Please do come back again tomorrow where we'll begin our next major season together working through the Gospel of Luke. I reckon it's going to take us about 80 episodes, about three months as we progress through it, as we always do, reading it and studying it in depth, verse by verse. If you are finding our times together helpful, why not consider leaving a review or better still, sharing it on social media with your Christian friends or otherwise that they too might have the opportunity to make the decision to make the study of the Bible part of the rhythm of your daily life. And if you've got a moment, why not connect to us on the podcast homepage at thebibleproject at buzzsprout.com. There you'll find not only every episode, over 600 of them, but you'll also be able to access free resources like an episode notes page, and more importantly, if you want, a full transcript of pretty much everything I say every day, all freely available, all there for you to use in whatever way you find helpful or encouraging. You'll also find links to other places where you can connect with the ministry, as well as if you wish, become a patron and support it and enable it to remain free on over 25 podcast platforms now being listened to in over 185 countries around the world. This really couldn't be done without the help of those people who've chosen to partner with me in this mission. And you'll also find on the Patreon page a way in which you can access lots of additional free resources. But anyway, that's by the by. Just thank you all for being here today. And I do trust I'll see you back here again tomorrow on the Bible Project Daily Podcast. Bye-bye for now.